The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, everybody. This is Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn Galsworth, and welcome to our weekly show, the Visual Workplace, and on this show, we discuss every week some aspect of workplace visuality, of the visual workplace, of visual information sharing, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system, our intelligence, into the living landscape of work through visual devices, through visual systems, devices that are connected for a single purpose. Many, many, many systems in a given plant, in a given factory, in a given hospital, in a given office. How do we install the language of our current operational excellence, even if we are not quite as excellent as we wish we were or as we will be? How do we install that level of excellence, of goodness, so that it is embedded behavior? so that the performance is part of the physical environment, is part of the process. Whether grossly through implementing the visual wear through borders, addresses, and if possible ID labels, or more refined visual controls. Visual controls is a specific term of art. It means a visual device that actually controls our behavior. There's a particular group of Devices that do that, and they control through volume, through structure, through very confining structure, structural constraints, like your Kanban. And as we move up the visual uh, levels of function, we get more and more refined until we're actually mastering cause on the attribute level when we're doing visual guarantees or pokeyoke devices. It is the same paradigm, the same basic principles, but used for more refined operational transactions. Okay, and of course, operations happen in hospital. I don't mean those kinds of operations, but there is an operational system in hospitals and in offices. Okay, so when we make that level of operations concrete, specific, and structured in through visual devices, powerfully structured from time to time through visual controls, it's even more structure, we can literally see what we think and what we know, and we can predict how that thinking will function because we've captured it. It's alive, just like our road systems. People come over from anywhere in the world and they're able to use our road systems because the road system speaks, because so much of the performance that you need to be safe and timely on the road is embedded in the road itself. The road speaks. 
We've made it speak. We've designed it to speak. Well, our civil engineers have done that. But can we not bring the same kind of principles, the same set of principles, the same architecture to the workplace so that a minimum level of competency is required and also is embedded in the environment? If we do, we get tremendous bottom line results. Improved safety, better quality, zero quality control through pokey devices, aligned delivery time, shrinking costs, shrink, 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 soaring downward, and splendid cultural alignment, a spirited and engaged workforce on all levels. And we enjoy ourselves along the way. We go to work and we not only have an environment and an experience that is smooth, but we actually feel happy. And beyond that, we learn. The environment and us, we have a relationship. And the environment is teaching me as I am making it smarter through visuality. And then it talks to me back. That's what we mean by a workplace that speaks. The enterprise becomes increasingly conscious, fluid, self-aware. We've got a prize-winning plant that's a joy to work with. And I remind you once again of what Taichi Ono said so many years ago. He was the co-architect with Shigeo Shingo of the Toyota Production System. I had the pleasure of meeting him in the 1980s and, and spent a lot, a lot of time with Shingo. But he said, you know, people don't come to Toyota to work. They come to think. We think because it's so enjoyable. That doesn't mean worry. Thinking and worrying is not the same thing. Worrying is about struggle. Thinking is about flowing and understanding and going deeper. So that's what this show is about. And welcome. We are in our series on leadership, and I'm going to jump into that in just a moment. I've got just a couple of announcements. Believe it or not, we are two days away from posting all of our podcasts for these shows, 120 of them or so. Um, I think it's going to be done tomorrow, and we will send out a blast. If we have your email, we will send out a blast because we have all of the show descriptions and we have them grouped by category. There's a category for 5S. There's another one for leadership. There's another for infrastructure. There's another one for smart placement and smart, simple design. There's another one for interviews. I think there are 12 or 15 categories. And we'll be keeping that up to date weekly. We're pretty sure we can do it weekly now that we have the template in place. I'm sorry it has taken so long. Everything takes longer than you can ever imagine all the time, everywhere. I'm not talking just about us here. I'm talking about you there. Everything takes longer. Whatever, you know, even if you say, okay, double the time, it's still not enough. I don't know why. I think it's just the nature of the planet to tell you the truth. So they're there. You can download those from our website. You can go to uh, voiceamerica.com um, and you'll see a link to iTunes. You can do that as well, whatever you like. But the podcasts are there and we think that they are, we hope that you find them instructive. I also want to mention once again that we have an on-demand webinar series. We're going to have about eight or nine of these over the next couple of years. But this one is called Work That Makes Sense, Operator-Led Visuality. It's a standalone, pre-recorded by me, the entire training and implementation system, including five behind-the-scenes webinars for your management and planning and training staff. Okay? Large companies use it with great success, 3,000, 4,000 people under the same roof. 
and small companies, 50, 20, 100 people. It's a complete package. I'm very, very proud of it. And um, it has a resource folio with all kinds of customizable forms, et cetera, et cetera. We have a new website that is launched. It's called visually-smart.com, visually-smart.com, which will connect you up with some folks who can give you greater detail, Frank Boson and his, and his group. Um, or you can just send us an email at radio at visualworkplace.com and we'll send you details. We think it's really good uh, and um, it's my best work so far. And then a reminder, we're going to be in Oklahoma City on May 14th and 15th. Those flyers are also supposed to go out this week from AME, uh, um, Association for Manufacturing Excellence. And we are supposed to have a a three-day event here in Portland. We're waiting to hear back from our plant hosts. Um, We have been promised to get word uh, last week, and it hasn't come through yet, so we don't know whether or not that means there's been a bit of a struggle or that somebody just forgot. We're going to follow up on that. Maybe next week I can tell you we're going to do this here in Portland. I hope so. I think those are the announcements. Yep. So this week we move into the model of visual leadership, the components of this paradigm that I've been developing only for about 20 years. Everything else has been 30 years, but this is 20 years. One that uses the power of structure the power of the device to help leaders become more effective and therefore to help their organizations become more prosperous, more stable, more harmonious, better better profits, better profit margin. Okay? You get a – I want you to understand – okay, I'm going to start a little riff. If you can get a taste of how important visuality is for the leader, if you observe – a leader in your plant or in your hospital encounter a new LCD monitor display. It's been put into place. Maybe that person even paid for it. And it may provide announcements about birthdays and coming up um, company events or the next staff meeting or how the fun drive is going. Or it may track productivity and yield and machine availability and OEE and KPIs, sometimes in real time, often in real time. It's big, it's shiny, it's a screen, it's full of color, and it's going to be right on the floor at Gemba and sometimes in multiple locations and supervisors and managers are over the moon. Oh my God, look at that. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, look at this great display. And whenever I do a plant tour, I am always shown this and I am shown this as though it's the new baby and as though it is the only baby And and it is often the only baby. It is often in a site the only visual evidence of visuality. So, Supervisors and managers go nuts about it. Oh, splendid, oh, splendid. But we must ask ourselves why. Because when we ask ourselves why, the answer becomes because it provides fast, big, real-time data. Data that leaders, that managers and supervisors and executives need. They need to know. Is production on or off track? Should I be worried or very worried? Is everything going south or or are we steady and okay for the moment? And before the display, 
managers and supervisors would have to scoop, scope this out by going through a ton of reports and then fighting for visibility. And now all I, can, all I have to do as a manager is I see it and I know it. I see it and I know it. I can make a decision on it. And that is wonderful and I welcome it. But what I want you to ask yourself is if that display has triggered such joy from the manager and supervisor, what would happen if we used other levels of visuality? And I want to say to you also that that visual display, uh, I, I don't want to use that term because I, I reserve that to define something else that we will be talking about that I think is extremely powerful. But that LCD monitor display shares information, but it represents the thinnest sliver of the spectrum of visual information sharing. In fact, visual management, which is a largely misused and misunderstood term, covers maybe 7, maybe 12% of the entire spectrum of visual functionality. It is narrow. But look at this. Because it is so welcomed, what we must do is say, wow, look how visuality has helped me instead of, wow, we're doing visuality because some information is being shared. You have begun. You bought something that you can plug into a wall, into your computer system that gives you very valuable data, but it is a narrow part of the entire spectrum. 7%, 12%. I used to say 3% when I got very grumpy. And I don't mind that you celebrate it. I celebrate it with you. Make no mistake, it's important. But your hooray is there simply because information that was previously hidden is now available. And I say hooray too. You have it co-located, single location, you get information day by day or shift by shift. You can make decisions on it and hooray because it has been such an incredible struggle to get that basic information. And because it has been such a struggle, we forget that there is more and we forget to require more. So I'm talking about an LCD monitor display as a good, but not as a complete representation of what visuality holds for leadership. So let that be part of your toolbox. But what I'm going to be talking about is the part that you may not know is there. The part that is revolutionary, transformative, and that is, it can become the foundation of a new excellence. If you're doing lean and you're just limping along with visual, your lean's going to deteriorate and your visual is going to be sadly incapable of helping you. So I want to widen the spectrum. I want to go into other parts this time. This series is about leadership. We spent a year and a half on operator. Okay, we're going to pick this up after the break. I am getting a big signal from the este- my esteemed... Uh, what are you, Kevin? Are you my technical producer? I don't know. My technical director, thank you, I just got a clue, Kevin, is telling me to please break. So I'm going to break now and we'll pick this up when I come back. (music) 
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Rivez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. Welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. Let me get this microphone in front of my nose so that you can hear me. So we were talking about how our excitement and our welcome of LCD monitors is not an end in itself, but simply an indication about how hard it is for leaders to get meaningful, relevant, complete, and timely information, and how we welcome the display because it gives us part of that. But for us to think that a visual... um, an LCD monitor display is visuality, is for us to talk ourselves out of a great and very different future as a leader. I speak of something other, something else. While the LCD monitor provides a welcome assist to, the, to harried supervisors and managers and the plant manager, this is not leading. And this is not leadership. This is not what I mean by visual leadership. It is monitoring and it is responding to what we see, what we see there on the screen. Valuable, but don't let the LCD pretty display seduce you into believing that it is a leadership tool. Right? So leaders, and right now we're going to talk about executive leadership, require more than data and information or even meeting or even meaning. To lead, they need to decide. I mean truly decide. Decide on a direction, decide on a destination, 
Supervisors and managers will use these LCD monitor displays to help them with their daily tasks. And they are part of the group that I call leaders, part of the group that this whole series is focused on. But for the executive leader, we need to have more than just information or even meaning, information in a context. We need to decide. We need to decide by knowing what that destination is. We need a vision of what exists beyond the border of that destination. We need to know our constraints. We need to know the corporate intent. We need to understand our resources and their limitations. We need much, much more. Visuality has helped us in those monitor displays. And if we can wrest ourselves away from the misassumption that that is the full extent of it, visuality will help us in a leadership role that can transform us into powerful, effective, and even charismatic leaders of the enterprise, whether we are supervisors, middle managers, or executives. Visuality has so much more to give. Of course, that is what I intend to demonstrate to you. So let us ask more of it so we can be more and our companies can be more. Our companies can contribute not only to the stakeholders and stockholders, but also to the greater good. So today we're going to begin that formulation. Today I begin to walk through the model that I have developed and customized over about 18 years. It was that long ago, but it really with, within the realm of the 30 years that I spent in visuality, it has only come more recently to my attention. And I have been watching and gathering and understanding, gathering evidence, formulating an approach. And that's the one I want to begin to unnest. Today we're going to begin the actual model. But you know what? I have a story to tell before then. And I want to tell you this story for two reasons. Many of you have written in and you've said, <laughs> please tell stories. I understand much better. Uh, so that's very nice. You've encouraged me. And then Joe wrote in a couple of years ago and said, please stop telling stories and get to the point. <laughs> He's probably still waiting for the point. So I'm going to um, favor my own uh, a favorite way of talking about things, or at least at the beginning, and that is to tell a story. When did this moment happen for me where I got a different flavor, a different scent on leadership? The real moment happened in 1985 on my second executive study mission to Japan. I took a group from Dana, um, Roger Harnischfeger. Roger Harnischfeger was um, the lead Dana person. We hung out together, and um, it was a very, very smart group. And on the way, we went to a great Japanese facility. We were in Japan, after all, called Akibono Brakes, supplier to Toyota, obviously, brake supplier. And to this day, one of the most memorable, dazzling companies I've ever visited. No less so for this moment that I'm going to recount now. And I remember the plant manager. He was compelling. He was direct. He was savvy. He was diplomatic. He was driven. It was like, wow, he was alive with intent and capability. And we met after our, sh- our shop floor uh, walkabout. We met in uh, a session room. But let me tell you what happened when I went to that floor. What happened in the session room, I'll get to in a moment, and that was a revolutionary moment, but I had a smaller revolution on the floor. We were going around. Roger was kind of nearby. We were always saying, hey, come over and see what I saw here, if we saw something cool or inexplicable. So there I was in a cell 
It was at the end of the stream, and there was a woman who was the operator, about 40, and she was, she had nine small machines, and she was completing a brake assembly. So what's the big deal about that? Well, the big deal was she had nine small machines in a space that was a little smaller than your kitchen, than your kitchen, and a little bigger than my kitchen, (laughs) maybe twice as big as my kitchen, but still very small. And she moved through those nine machines, doing what she needed to do, adding the value to this component, in two minutes and ten seconds. I know I timed her. She danced through this in two minutes and ten seconds, and then she did it again, and then she did it again, and I thought, wow. And this is 1985. This is, well, what is that, 30 years ago? Something like that. Yeah, it's 30 years ago. Well, that was amazing enough. When she would put the component at the end of, after the ninth machine, she would put the component in a little plastic bin on a slightly slanted conveyor. It was short, maybe four feet. And the bin just sat there. And then at one point, she put the component in, and the bin began to move. It was gravity feed, and it made a short slide along the conveyor, about four feet, and it went through an outside wall. Plastic curtain was there, and it just slipped through the wall. And I thought, oh, wow, this is so cool. 1985, you know, I had been a Latin teacher, and then I had been an actor in New York. And here I was two years into my stint at productivity, going to these plants and, you know, thinking I had died and gone to heaven. I was so happy. And I thought, what What happens outside the wall? So I go, I look around the wall, because there was a, a dock door there, and there's a hole in the wall. It slips through, and the little bin stops because there's a metal barrier after about another three feet of conveyor. And it's sitting there under a portico outside. And there's, you know, pavement or whatever. And, you know, not a second later, a little truck comes up. And a man comes out of the truck, and he picks up this bin, he puts it in the back of his truck, and he makes a U-turn. And as he makes a U-turn, because this is, he's driving on the right, he leans over, and he puts a Kanban card into a little uh, array of um, cubby holes. It happened like in seven seconds, that entire description I just gave you. But I understood that what I was seeing was a very, very finely tuned system. This is in 1985, and it got worse than that, or if you will, better. So I ran over and grabbed Roger, and I said, Roger, Roger, come see this. This is so cool. And he saw it, and I went off you know, to watch something else because I thought I had absorbed everything there was to absorb. And he comes back and finds me. He said, oh, Gwendolyn, you have to come back. Come on over. It's worse than that. You won't believe. And so I stood there and watched, and I said, Roger, what am I seeing? You know, I'm seeing what I saw before and why I called you. He said, no, look at what she's doing. She's doing her work through these nine machines, but as she's doing that, she's she's changing over. He had asked her, would you do what you did before, change over? She changed over her machines. So she's, he said, you know what? That means that changeover, and it was still two minutes and 10 seconds, changeover is zero because she was doing the changeover as she was adding value. Two minutes and 10 seconds, changeover was zero. We were just blown out of our minds. So we find our way back to the session room, and there we are with the top execs and with this splendido plant manager and one of the Dana guys asked a question a very usual question 
What is the ratio between supervisors and operators? And you know what? I'm going to give you his answer, his stunning answer, the plant manager's stunning answer, when we come back from this, our second break. So I'll see you in a minute. I'll be here. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Game-changing technologies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up the status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take a coffee break with Game Changers on Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on today's top big data innovators. Learn about emerging big trends and technologies and how you can grow your business and profit. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 Four seven two five seven nine zero. That's toll free. One eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. Welcome back to our show today. We are talking about. Well, I don't want to give it away because we're almost there. But we're talking about the first piece of the paradigm. Of visual leadership. I'm now moving into the model. We talked last week about leaders are also visual thinkers. We talked about how visuality creates the cultural change. We talked about a kind of setup items to remind you that what applies to operators also apply to leaders. But now we're going to diverge and get into the leadership model. And I was describing to you before the break that I was at Akibono break with a great group from Dana my colleague, Roger Harnischweger, who became the dean of the uh, Dana University many, many years ago, was there, and we were just wowed by what we saw on the floor. It was so integrated, so synchronized, so perfectly, a pole system. There was no fuss, no bother. It simply worked. A well-oiled, beautiful machine. And when we got to the session room to kind of debrief and ask our questions with the executives who had allowed us to come, how lucky were we? Someone asked a very ordinary question 
which was, please tell us about the ratio between supervisors and operators. Simple question. The response, we don't have supervisors. Okay, so we thought there was a language difference, so he tries again. He said, okay, okay, then uh, team leaders. And very politely, the plant manager said, we don't have team leaders. Okay, well, the, the, fo- the people who are managing the cells in the department, departments, and he says, we don't have managers. And so, of course, the guy said, well, what do you have? And the plant manager said, we have leaders of improvement. That's what he said. We have leaders of improvement. We don't even use the language of supervisor, team lead, managers. We don't use that word, those words. If you are not a value-add associate or the support, the support for that value-add associate on the floor like a material handler, your quality folks, you are a leader of improvement. We make no further distinction. You know, what's lucky about my life is that I remember things. Not everything. If you hang around the people who know me best, especially people in this office, they're always on my, on my case because I don't remember things. I don't remember what I said or what they said or what, whatever. But I have the gift of remembering things that help my work, to help me understand. And I remembered it. And I thought, what is going on here? If the language changes, the paradigm must have changed. There's something else going on here. Because I knew enough then, after two or three years at productivity, you know, working with factories and taking study missions, that everybody has a supervisor or a team lead. Everybody has a manager. Why do you not even have that in your dictionary? Akibono break. Why do you not, can you not even express the supervisory function in any other way than the same way you express the management's function and the executive function? They are all leaders of improvement. I didn't know what he meant, but I was so stunned by the language and its implications that it woke me up. I mean, I was like bingo awake. And that phrase seeded a radical change in my own thinking that is unfolding to this day. It is why I am writing this book. And so I want to begin that discussion. And in the next number of shows, I want to share with you the model. It has five parts. The first is, what does it mean to be a leader of improvement when you are a supervisor or manager? That's part one. I'm grouping supervisors and managers together, as I told you a few shows ago, and I'm calling them supervisors. What does it mean to be a manager, a leader of improvement when you are a manager or supervisor? That's part one. Second part, what does it mean to be a leader of improvement when you're an executive? That's part two. Part three is, what are the visual tools that can assist supervisors to become leaders of improvement? This shift in identity. Because just think about that. I'm not supervising this area. I'm leading improvement. That's my job. That is my job description. 
So what are the visual tools? Because my interest is in visuality. I believe in structure and embedding behavior, embedding performance through the structure of a device or a system of devices. I believe in that. And I believe that that changes not only the performance, but also the person, him or herself. So what does that mean for leaders of improvement on the supervisory level, and what does it mean for super, for executives? So part four is what are the tools for, sorry, part three are what are the tools for the supervisory level that will help and amplify and augment and build and strengthen and align, and what are those tools and mechanisms for executives who are leaders of improvement or who are making the journey to that? That's part four. Part five is, how do these roles integrate? How do these tools interface? How do they interact? So that the enterprise benefits from potent, incisive, compelling leadership from the floor to the boardroom. How does this happen? Because I knew that it would happen, could happen, does happen that way. I knew there was a single paradigm that has a compelling set of applications, an integrated model. So I want to begin that, and as we move through this discussion, you will come to know what I mean when I say the principles and practices of visual leadership, the I of the leader, meaning the I, the me of the leader. This is not visual management. Visual management is one tiny slice of that spectrum. So last week we spoke about, if you remember, the work of the leader. What does work mean for a supervisor, manager, and executive? What does motion mean? And we talked about how motion, as always, is about missing information. We also talked about how the um, supervisor, executive, and manager really doesn't have a value field, certainly not the desk. The value field where work happens is someone else's value field. Your overhead. <laughs> Hear that again and again. And motion for the supervisor, manager, super, um, uh, executive, motion has to do with missing answers or incomplete answers, irrelevant answers, not available, imprecise, incorrect, too late, late, bad information, misleading information. We make the wrong decision based on it, or we make no decision at all. This misinformation or non-information disguises the truth and creates an aura of mystery and unpredictability around the simplest transactions. Everything's a struggle. The tangible results are the ones you know. Suffering KPIs, accidents, lost orders, defects, late deliveries, unhappy customers, galore, shrinking profits, rework, scrap. The intangibles are just as horrifying. Gossip, low morale, lack of trust, hoarding, hypervigilance, even hate, even hate, victim consciousness, secrets. But on the executive and supervisory level, those intangible results are extremely potent and very, very negative. 
they're like a disease. In the new leadership, there is a compelling need for leaders, as always, and these leaders feel a compelling need to lead. They want to do it because they can, and they can be very effective. If you remember our discussion of the 10 doorways, some of you have my book, Visual Workplace, Visual Thinking. It's about the 10 doorways. Doorway number three is for supervisors and managers and engineers, and it's about visual displays, one set of mechanisms. Doorway number four is the executive doorway, and it is about metrics and visual metrics, a particular kind that I am going to tell you about that could revolutionize the way that you collect data and what you do with it and how you collect it. It's about visual problem solving, and it's about this thing that I call visual leadership. So we're going to be doing, if you're tracking with the doorways, doorways three and four. And we're going to be using a model. And that model I'll be able to begin to present to you today for supervisors, becoming a leader of improvement for supervisors, a new role. And if you ask your supervisors... This is what we do. It's very instructive. Please write down your job description because we're going to replace you. We're going to promote you and we want someone, the person who's taking your place to understand what it is you do. So write down your job description as you experience it. And if you want your eyebrows to raise to the very top of your head, Find a nice, safe moment and have your supervisors do this because we're going to focus on supervisors first. Remember, when we're talking about supervisors, we mean managers. We are, for the time being, excluding executives because they will have a different job description and they will also have different mechanisms, but these mechanisms blend. And it'll be my job to show you how they blend. But this is, you know, five, six, seven shows from now. Stick with this. And I would love for you to invite your supervisors and your executives, your plant managers to listen in because this is a different paradigm. So you have your supervisors write their job descriptions. Hey, write write an ad for the local newspaper. You can bring in some samples of these ads. They're there, especially if you get, like, the Times on Sunday, there'll be these ads that describe, we're looking for. So find your replacement, write the ad. you got to tell them what's good about it, too, because otherwise you're not going to get anyone to apply. What is it that you do? Write it down. And what they will nine times out of ten, 99 times even out of 100, I would wager, what they will describe for you is a job that has to do with attending to logistics scheduling, expediting, firefighting, and monitoring everything, everything. Managing, it's called managing, or you can say it's called supervising, but I want to use the word managing. And in the center of uh, a model, imagine, if you will, seven cubes or uh, seven tiles, Six tiles surrounding a center one. The center one right now is called manage, the old traditional role for supervisors. 
attending to logistics, scheduling, expediting, fighting fires, and monitoring everything from who's here, who's not here, who's leaving early, to which material has arrived, what hasn't, where is it placed, where's the forklift, where's the battery, where's the plug, monitoring everything. Hyper, hyper vigilance on the part of very capable people whose job they think is to be hyper vigilant. So we'll pick this up. We'll start this model. It has seven components. You can think of it as a flower. We're looking at the center of the flower like a daisy with six petals, six tiles around it. Okay? We'll pick this up and we'll, I'll give you the briefing of the model, the seven components, and then we'll probably be able to talk to one about talk about one of them before we say see you the next time so we're going into our third break and i'll be back when you're back i'll be here in fact voice america business network the bottom line in business Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. And I am now uh, beginning to describe the model that is one of the main building blocks of my paradigm on visual leadership. And this one is for supervisors. And just before the break, we talked about what would it be like if you found your replacement by putting an ad in the paper that described what you really do now. And you have to be honest about it because that person, you're not leaving the company, you're going to be there. And when that person comes in to replace you, they're going to find you if you haven't told them the truth. If they've signed on for a job that isn't the job that you described, you're going to get promoted. 
you're going to become a leader of improvement. But while you learn that new role, well, you're going to find a replacement because you don't really see that, you know, the two really have much to do with each other. But I am here to tell you differently. And so you write your description and people come in and, you know, if it was good enough for you, you seem to be pretty happy, pretty capable in your job, making a contribution, they're going to take the job. They're going to do that thing called manage. And if you remember last week, I believe it was, I gave you what I discovered about where the word management and manage comes from. It comes from the French, menager, and it means to train horses. For all your lofty dreams of becoming a manager... So in the center of this daisy is the word manage. We want to replace it. We want to put a different word in there instead because it is the center of the, of the model and, we, and around which everything else is organized, like the center of the daisy. And what we're going to put in there is we're going to throw away that old traditional word, word that describes supervisors as managing attending to logistics, scheduling, expediting, fighting fires, and monitoring just about everything. And we're going to put in its place the word improve. Improve. And I define it like this. Reduce operational waste and increase the value and quality of the company's processes, people, and performance. Improve. This is the center of the model because your new job description, the new role that you are going to fill is called leader of improvement. And how do we define that leadership improvement role for supervisors? Reduce operational waste and increase the value and quality of the company's processes, people, and performance. Right? Because processes and people equal performance. To improve, improve is the anchor element of six other behavioral elements that describe and define the new supervisor, the new supervisor, the leader of improvement. And what is it that populates the periphery? What are the six other elements? And next week when we meet, I'll go through these and give you a taste of them so you understand how they fit. So you have improve in the center, and let's go, let's use it like a clock. Let's go to 12 o'clock. So the center of the dial is the word improve. 12 o'clock is stabilize. Between 1 and 3 is measure. We're going clockwise. And then target. Deploy. Coach, model. Seven elements, six of them organize around the center. The center is improve. And this is what leaders of improvement do on the supervisory managerial level. They stabilize, they measure, they target, they deploy, they coach, they model. And the message here is not that you no longer attend to logistics, scheduling, 
expediting or monitoring everything, but you do it a different way and for a different purpose. The purpose isn't just to get through, to make it through the day, to get that stuff out the door or to get those patients attended to. It is a different paradigm of performance. And to accomplish that, you have adopted a different identity. And if you would feel the difference just feel the difference between being a leader of improvement or a supervisor. One, at least this is how I experience it, lifts my heart and the other feels like drudgery because I know what supervisors do. They supervise. They supervise stuff that they do not control. And they're held accountable even though they have limited authority. But what would it be like if your authority revolved around stabilizing, measuring, targeting, deploying, coaching, and modeling? Doesn't that give you a wider range of behaviors to engage in and to define yourself within, to contribute through, stabilize? Because we must have stable. If it isn't a stable environment, why measure it? All you're going to get is the irregularity. So you focus on stabilization, measure. You're measuring. That gives you, that gives rise to the target. Once you understand the target, now you can deploy meaningfully because it's connected both to a decision to go after a particular goal, but also you have the support of the measure itself saying this is what's needed. And then you coach in that deployment and all the while you're modeling the very behavior that you are seeking in others. Mm -hmm. From the outside, this leader of improvement on the supervisory level is still going through many of the same tasks as he or she had before. But as the devices move into place to assist you in the components of this new role, you will experience a release, a little bit of margin in yourself, a little bit of relief that will allow you to embrace this new identity. And we spoke about that. That is the purpose on a cultural level of visuality. The reason why visuality creates culture is that visual devices create margin. You're still going to get the bottom line benefit, the 8 to 15 to 30 to 34 percent increase in productivity, and those are figures I quote from our clients. Either they worked on their own or several years ago they were working with us. Now they do it on their own because I'm writing these books and talking to you and I want a further reach, but that's what you get. So we'll pick this up next week. We'll unnest each of these, the six elements around the center element of improve. We'll talk about that for supervisors. And then next show after that, we'll probably begin it for, for executives. And then after that, we'll go into the tools. But I want you to get the two job descriptions, the new job descriptions. And that will, I think, give you a more secure and transparent understanding of what this paradigm is. I've had a wonderful time talking with you today. I love meeting with you like this. 
I hope we continue to do it every single week. And take me home with you in your pocket as a podcast and share what you've learned here with your friends. I believe it's revolutionary. It's my pleasure to talk with you, and this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and for the moment, I'm signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.